Good morning. I'm Phil Jackson, one of the elders here at Preston Crest. Welcome to our time of worship, uh, to our members and to especially our visitors. We are so glad to have you with us. And we do ask everyone to remember to check in uh, by typing check in to 469-476-5331. And then you'll also get a copy of the digital bulletin. One thing about the, uh, on the bulletin I want to highlight this morning, uh, many of you are aware of the amazing work that we have been involved with for many years in Ghana at the Village of Hope. Uh, not only is this a very effective orphanage, but the ministry uh, has two children homes, a training institute for street teens, a hospital, three schools, as well as developing 41 growing congregations uh, in the area. It's an amazing work. In 2007, Preston Crest funded a large building to house many of the orphans. Actually, it's like two houses uh, in one. And they call this 
the Preston Crest House. Uh, and this house now is in need of, of some repairs uh, after so many years and hundreds of children being housed in this home. And so uh, we are taking a special collection today uh, for this effort. Uh, and it's a worthy one. Uh, you can, there's uh, actually a brochure in the back on the ways that you can give. There's, a, there's a, a designated white box here in the foyer, and then there's also giving online. Uh, and so we encourage you to give to this great effort so that this house can be uh, restored for the great work that it has done. And then also please check the bulletin for all the other meeting activities uh, that are going on and ways that you can participate here at Preston Crest. As we begin our service this morning, hear the word of the Lord from Psalms 66, 8 through 10. Praise our God, all peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. Our Father in heaven, what a bold acknowledgement that you have preserved our lives by testing us, refining us, the refiner's fire, refining us like silver. But by your spirit that you have given us, we endure, even flourish as you build our character closer to yours. So as we begin our praise and worship to you, help us transform our minds from the focus on this world to the grace you afford us through your son. And Lord, hear our pleas for help in the suffering that we see of illness and the loss of loved ones, and disease, injustice, all kinds of stress and sin. We lay these at your feet and praise that we have a God who cares so much for us. Be with us in this time of praise to you that this would be a time to give you honor and glory for who you are. In the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Please stand while we sing.
After we sing this song, Bob Chisholm will lead us in our uh, communion service. <clears throat>
There's a text from Romans 12 that uh, has been in my heart for at least two years now. Paul said, if at all possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. It's not been a very peaceful time. And the only reason and the only way we can find peace among humanity is to first find peace with our God. And that is why we gather and rehearse the peace that he brought to our souls. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, thank you for the quiet of this moment, this hour. Thank you for the peace you bring to our souls. We now ask, Lord, that you prepare our hearts, focus our minds, calm our spirits as we gather as brothers and sisters to draw life and hope and joy and purpose from you. Father, our hearts are filled with humble gratitude. We bring all that we are and we ask for your grace so we can fully serve you every day. Oh, God, you know our thoughts and our desires. We cannot pretend to hide our failings from you. 
And so instead of hiding or pretending, we open ourselves fully and simply ask that you cleanse our hearts through your Spirit. Cleanse us of all our faults, our failures, and sins, so we may love you more perfectly. Father, as we hold this bread in our hands, fill our minds with vivid pictures of both the body of Jesus on the cross and the body of Jesus that is seated all around us, our brothers and sisters. Father, we thank you for the body of Jesus. Hear our prayer in his name. Amen. There's a short little breath prayer that I use through the day, and I'd like to suggest it for you during your time of taking the cup. Inhale, create in me. Exhale, a clean heart, O oh God. That's what we're asking for today. Let's bow together. Father, because we know ourselves, we are amazed that you love us. We also know, Father, that you long for our love in return. And so, Father, hear the silent voices in our hearts telling you that we love you. With full hearts and focused minds, with grateful souls, and with all our strength. We do love you, Father. Your cup of suffering heals our souls, and we thank you with all that we are. But for your grace, we would not be saved. But for your grace, we would go our way. We are forever grateful that you have been faithful to us, Lord, for your amazing grace. Hear our prayer because of Jesus. Amen.
Hey, good morning, everybody. So glad that you are here today. Uh, this is a time we, we like to remind you that if you want to give, you can give online through our website or through church teams or drop a check in the box on your way out the door today. Also, of course, we've got our, our uh, Preston Crest house giving today as well for the, that house that bears our name at the Village of Hope in Ghana, West Africa. Uh, so many ministries that are helped by this church, and we're just trying to love our neighbors well. And uh, one ministry that we partner with is Christian Works. We've got, <laughs> we've got members on the board of Christian Works. It's right down the street on Harvest Hill. We've got uh, people that work there uh, from this church. We've got volunteers, a lot of us. And then so many people in this church have been generous in giving to that ministry that takes care of children and adults uh, in terms of counseling needs and a lot of different needs. Um, their auction is coming up, and uh, we just want to pray especially over that. Um, and it's been, a, it's been an interesting year, year and a half for them. They are dealing with a wait list for their counseling ministries right now with children that need help and first responders as well. Uh, so we'll pray for them and for our continued partnership with them. Let's pray. God, we want to love our neighbor as ourselves and a lot of people in our community are just hurting right now. And God, I thank you so much for the members of this church and for the folks over at Christian Works uh, that are helping right now on the front lines uh, with mental health issues. God, I pray your blessings. I thank you for our financial partnership with them. I pray, God, that for years to come, we can love our neighbors through that family of ministries at Christian Works, God. Lift up all of our workers and ministries here at Preston Crest. Help us to show our passion for you and our compassion for our neighbors as we live out your mission here at Preston Crest. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Good morning, PC family. I'm Jennifer Liebel. Been at Preston Crest for almost 30 years, so you really are family. Today, I want to thank you for something you've been contributing to for a long time. In the 1960s, several area churches of Christ got together to form Christian Works for Children and have been supporting it as a brotherhood ever since. Not long ago, I joined the Christian Works staff and have gained a clear picture of just what a tremendous support Preston Crest is. For example, nearly every Sunday morning class plays a part in our annual auction fundraising event, contributing silent auction items or coming as an attendee or volunteer. Our singles minister, Gary Cohorn, is the director of our summer grief camp for children. Some of you joined him as a camp buddy. Our women of worship are stocking the diaper closet for our new moms, and three of our church members are on the Christian Works Board of Trustees. For decades, your financial support has been freely given to continue these services. It makes me incredibly proud of our PC family. So on behalf of all of the staff, I want to say thank you, Preston Christ. Thank you, Jennifer. As we stand, let's send kids up to Children's Church. We'll sing one more song before Gordon presents to us this morning. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Thank you. 
Thank you, Michael. Appreciate you helping out today, brother. This thing put up. I've gotten some really good advice from my dad over the years, and some of it not terribly profound, but generally terribly important, the advice that I've gotten. And one of those nuggets that I received and passed on to my children, I got the bit of advice when I was 15, 16 years old, and it was this. Never, ever let your car run out of oil. Did you get that advice from your dad? That's good advice. Never, ever, and I think he talked about water too, but I mean, never, ever let your car run out of oil. Uh, If you do, I mean, you might get a little warning from a dashboard warning light or something, but your motor probably will not complain until it is way too late, and it will seize up, and it will grind, and it will stop. And the repair on that motor will be very expensive. I was looking up uh, just this week just to see how much a quart of oil is at Walmart. $4 and change, $5, something like that, a quart of oil. A new motor, $5,000, more or less. So, kids, check that oil regularly. Pull over, pause, pull the dipstick out. Make sure you got oil. That is an important bit of advice that I got from my dad. And it's advice, I think, that uh, Scripture gives us in a different sense with respect to our souls, that we need to take a break from our work from time to time, pull over, pause, do a little maintenance. The Bible talks about Sabbath. It talks about it from the opening pages of Scripture talks about it pretty much all the way through about this need that we have to rest. Because many of us are so used to feeling stressed, redlined, exhausted, overwhelmed that we have come to believe this is the normal state of affairs. This is where we normally operate Let me tell you something, God never intended you to operate there in a place without margin, in a place where you're running hot all the time. That is not what God has planned up for you. He engineered your body, he engineered your soul to have these periodic times of unplugging, turning off the ignition, resting, and receiving what you need from him. And receiving what you need from others and from nature, from the amazing world that he created as well. And so these sacred rhythms of shalom, of rest, of pause, of wholeness, they were established in the beginning for us. They exist for our benefit and we prosper when we build these sacred rhythms into our lives. Now, what I'm about to share won't surprise you. You may not be up on all of the statistics on this, but it won't surprise you to learn that we are stressed out and that the problem is getting worse. In fact, the information I've got is pre-COVID, so I imagine it's worse now. But from Penn State University a couple of years back, they said that day-to-day stress 
and a sense of lower overall well-being were much higher in the 2010s than they were in the 1990s. So the question I would ask, and maybe you're thinking, is why? Why is it that we are getting more stressed, that we are feeling more overwhelmed? And there are a lot of different theories on this, probably truth in all of them. Uh, One is increasing income disparities between rich and poor. Uh, There is political upheaval and global political upheaval that's causing stress for some people. There is technology where we are receiving updates 24 hours a day about everything, whether it matters or not, that is going on in our world. We are constantly in touch with people, right? Our social media feeds and texting, we hear all the time from people, many of whom we don't really know that well. They're just part of our social media family. And all of this contributes to a lack of inner peace. And a sensation of low-grade turmoil. It's ironic, uh, Phil, it's ironic that I'm preaching this sermon this week. As I'm sitting there, my, my keys are typing on my keyboard about shalom and peace, rhythms of rest. I have probably had my most busy and stressful week of the year. Multiple funerals this week multiple atypical meetings this week on the phone or Zoom or in person. Of course, today I'll be preaching three times and teaching a Bible class. And so just not a really restful week for me. I think God has a sense of humor. And maybe he was calling my attention to some things as I was working on this lesson. But it was within the last few days, maybe two weeks, that we had, I don't remember which day it was, but we had a staff devotional. And Scott Wolf, our new executive minister, our new administrative minister, just said, I'm going to read Psalm 23. And I want you to listen. And just listen for a word or phrase that the Lord is speaking to you today. And so we did that. He read that psalm. And the phrase that got me came out of the beginning of Psalm 23. Very familiar. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He quiets or restores my soul. The phrase in there, here goes. The Lord is my shepherd. This nailed me. I shall not want. He makes me lie down. There's the phrase. He makes me lie down. In green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. I was thinking as I heard those words, I was thinking about my children when they were little. Maybe you remember your children when they were little or you're there right now. They need naps. My children did not self-nap right? Hey mom, dad, got to take a pause, gotten kind of busy, gotten kind of tired. I'm going to go to my room, lie down, come get me in an hour. No. I made them lie down. And we are the shepherd of his flock. And the shepherd looks at us and in love and compassion, the Holy Father makes us 
lie down. NIV, ESV, he makes us lie down. King James Version, authorized version, he maketh us lie down. Young's literal translation, he causeth us to lie down. But he makes us lie down. God, he made us and he knows that we need to pause. We need to pull over and turn off the engine from time to time. Because we are at our best when we find the sacred rhythm of Sabbath by resting and remembering and reconnecting. We check out of our hectic schedules. We remember that even when we are turned off, resting, pausing, God is still providing for us and we connect with his people as we worship. So, let's reacquaint ourselves with the ancient practice and underneath that the ancient principle of Sabbath for the next few weeks. And my hope is that you will rebuild this rhythm of God into each week so that you will reclaim your life and you will rediscover rest. Obviously, my hope is that by honoring the principle of the Sabbath, you will keep your soul from seizing up and grinding to a halt. I like what Abby Downs, best-selling author, wrote about her own journey with respect to the Sabbath. Listen to what she shared. Sabbath has absolutely changed my life for the better. Adding that discipline, and she says, it is a discipline. It has made for spiritual growth and genuine rest in a life, maybe you can identify with this, that was on the fast track to burning it all down. Is Sabbath optional? I mean, I guess. I certainly went for a long time not observing it on a regular basis. But the scripture is pretty clear. And I see it in my body, my soul, and spirit. We were built for it. We were always meant to rest. Really rest. Soul rest. To dig into Sabbath is to shape your life the people, the calendar, the disciplines around the idea that obeying God is a marathon, not a sprint. And this marathon has scheduled rest stops that will guarantee you finish in one piece. One of our elders who is a marathoner, John Collier, wrote after the sermon, he said, it's funny, when you're training for a marathon, the most important day of the week is recovery day. It's interesting how God built us. So what is the Sabbath? Seems like a good place to start. What is the Sabbath? Well, the word, the Hebrew word there, Shabbat, literally means to rest, or he rested when it shows up in Genesis chapter 2. So let's look at the first mention here, and this is God honoring this rhythm. The word of God says this, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. 
And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. That is the first Shabbat. He rested. The first day where rest occurred, and it's God doing the resting. It's our creator taking a day off. I love that. And he puts it right there at the beginning of scriptures because he wants to pass the gift along. He wants for his people to unwrap this gift on a regular basis. Now this centuries later will be enshrined in the law of Moses. It will be codified for God's people to to obey this principle on a weekly basis. And so the shepherd essentially says, lie down. He maketh them lie down. That's the law. For Jews, a literal 24-hour day, sundown Friday night to sundown Saturday night. Well, it's interesting. It gets more ink than any of the other Ten Commandments. I mean, just pure word count. Uh, More explanation of why it matters is given in the Ten Commandments to the fourth, to the Sabbath, than to any of the other commandments. It's also interesting that before the Sabbath was a law to be obeyed, it was a principle to be practiced. I mean, for centuries before Moses ever put it on paper and said, you must obey, thus saith the Lord, obey this principle of the Sabbath, for centuries it was already there. From the beginning of time, it was there. Before the fall... Before sin entered the world, it was there, Genesis chapter 2. Before Abraham, before Moses, there was Sabbath. I grew up hearing, maybe you've heard this too, that Christians say, we don't obey the Sabbath. In fact, that's the only one of the Ten Commandments that's never repeated for us to obey in the New Testament. Okay. I'm still searching for that verse that says we don't need a Sabbath anymore in the New Testament. I mean, I see it affirmed in the ministry of Jesus. I see it affirmed in the New Testament over and over. Jesus certainly had a different take on the Sabbath. A right take, a good take. Man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. We'll get to that in a couple of weeks. But I see it there. I see in Hebrews Chapter 4, verse 9, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, speaking of eternity, pointing to eternity, but I see that principle there. And now that I'm all grown up, I think I've discovered something. It's not so much that Americans have taken the principle of the Sabbath and uh, retired it. It's more like we have reversed it. Instead of thou shalt rest, it is thou shalt not rest. People who have this rhythm are lazy people. They're not getting stuff done. We need to work harder and more. We live in a culture, folks, that worships 
exhaustion. We love to compare our levels of busyness and come out on top. The winner is the one with the least amount of free time. We idolize work, really overwork, as a virtue. And so if you're asking, Gordon, is this a law that I must obey this Sabbath? No, it's not a law that you must obey. It's not an obligation that you have to shoulder. But that is a far cry from saying Jesus retired it. Jesus made Sabbath unnecessary. And just because the Sabbath is no longer an obligation to be kept doesn't mean it's, it's no longer a good idea to practice the principle of the Sabbath. So let's get to the scriptures this morning. Let's go to the fourth commandment, Exodus chapter 20. God declares this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So it is a time when God's people rest from all of their producing, from all of their making, from all of their doing and working, and they allow those under their care to enjoy this rest as well. Because we know that God was able to take a day off after creating the universe. And he calls us to take a day off as well. He calls us, he calls us to pause from our busy schedules and trust that he will continue to provide for us. You guys remember the manna in the desert when, when God's people were wandering around for years in the middle of a desert and God provided food for them? He sent this manna every morning they could get up and there would be this manna, this sweet bread on the ground. On the Sabbath, that was the one day they were told, do not gather any manna. Trust that it will come back the next day. You re relax you recognize God is providing, and God will continue to provide. Now we get to Deuteronomy chapter 5, the second time that this fourth commandment is listed. And this commandment, see if you notice, it's a little bit different from the one in Exodus. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath. It's a rest to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your ox, your donkey, any of your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant, your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember 
that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. Interesting difference there, right? The, the motivation in Deuteronomy is a little bit different. They are to, on the Sabbath, remember that they were once enslaved to these Egyptian taskmasters. And it wasn't like they worked themselves out of a job. It wasn't like they earned their freedom or fought for their freedom. No, you pause and you remember that God brought you out of slavery. They remembered that God rescued them. Do we need to work? Yeah. Do we need to create? Do we need to partner with people, team up with people, get things done? Yes. Do we honor God when we work at our work with all of our hearts? Yes, we do. But the most important work, in fact, the only work of real eternal consequence was the work Jesus did on the cross. We did not deliver ourselves from our slavery to sin. We did not earn our escape from our oppressor's hand. We were delivered. Jesus brought us out with his outstretched hands. He did the work. And one of the reasons we gather together, I mean, this is a place of Sabbath this morning. As we pause from our work and we remember our deliverance, we remember the gospel. It was by the blood of Christ that we were set free. Gathering is an important part of the Sabbath. We cease our work. We rehearse our common story. We pray together and we encourage each other. And I pray that you leave here today encouraged by a smile from someone, a hug from someone, a conversation with someone. And over the next few weeks, we'll get into some of the particulars of restoring the practice of Sabbath in our lives. We'll explore ways that we can learn to pause, things that we can do to help us. Uh, as we pause and we pray and we even play on this day, we'll take a look at some controversies that enveloped Jesus himself as he taught people more fully about the meaning of Sabbath rest. And I started thinking this morning and talking to you about the the fact that our cars need oil changes now and again or they'll overheat and the engine will get stressed and lock up and everything. But, but you're different, right? You're not a machine. You're a person. You're a human being, not a human doing. And you are made in the image of your creator. Machines are good for what they produce for how many units come off the assembly line. Machines are good like an automobile for how far they can take you. But we shouldn't quantify people in those ways. 
with bottom lines and how much they get done. You are more than that. You were designed to walk in loving fellowship with God and with people made in the image of God. You were made for two things, to show passion for God and compassion for people. I want to finish this morning with a prayer. And sometimes you need borrowed words because your soul is so empty, you just don't have the, the vocabulary. And I'm saying, this is me. And at the beginning of the summer, I ran across a, pr a prayer by a fellow named Ted Loader, and it really spoke to me about some of this. And I wanted to share it with you this morning. I'm going to read the words of this prayer, and then we're going to pray this prayer as we finish out our time. Oh God, gather me now to be with you as you are with me. Soothe my tiredness. Quiet my fretfulness. Curb my aimlessness. And then this is for me. Relieve my compulsiveness. Let me be easy for a moment. Oh Lord, release me from the fears and guilts which grip me so tightly. From the expectations and opinions which I so tightly grip that I may be open to receiving what you give, to risking something genuinely new, to learning something refreshingly different. Oh God, gather me to be with you as you are with me. And what I want to do is just let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes together, and let's pray these words. Oh God, gather me now to be with you as you are with me. Soothe my tiredness. Quiet my fretfulness. Curb my aimlessness. Relieve my compulsiveness. And let me be easy for a moment. Oh, Lord, release me from the fears and the guilts which grip me so tightly. From the expectations and opinions which I so tightly grip. That I may be open to receiving what you give. To risking something genuinely new. To learning something refreshingly different. Oh, God, gather me to be with you as you are with me. And this is our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Maybe this morning it is time for you to take a break from lifting it all up on your own, for keeping it all together on your own. And maybe it's a move in your life away from self-governance and being the captain of your own ship to turning it over to Jesus and saying, yes, I need you as my Lord and Savior. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is life. Give me rest. And you can be buried in baptism this morning, proclaiming Jesus as the Lord of your life. We had one at first service, and it was, it was amazing. It's always amazing to witness somebody giving their life to Jesus. Maybe you just need the prayers of this family 
Um, Phil will be down here. I'll be down here. We'd love to pray with you or just pray with somebody that's in your vicinity right now. Let's respond to God as we stand together and praise. In Christ alone, I hope is found. He is my life. It is a great day. Uh, isn't it a great day to be a Christian? And we have two more that want to join that group. And so it's a great day for the Gibbs family. And I'm going to turn it over to, uh, to Chris. So, Caroline and Ty, your mom and I couldn't be happier or more proud of you than we are right now. Uh, we know you didn't come to this decision lightly. We didn't get to this point quickly. You've prayed. You've studied. We've talked about for a long time what it means to be baptized and to have a relationship with Christ. Uh, 
really today is the beginning of a personal relationship that you'll have with Christ for the rest of your life. And regardless of, of whatever goals you achieve in life, whatever valleys that, that you'll undoubtedly go through, the one constant in your life will always be Christ. So, Caroline, I ask you, do you believe that Christ is the Son of God, that he came to earth, died, was buried, and resurrected uh, for the forgiveness of your sins? I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And Tide, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came to earth, that he died, was buried, and resurrected for the forgiveness of your sins? I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, our Messiah. Amen. We're going to sing a couple songs while they get ready to be baptized. You call me out upon the waters, great
God, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost for the forgiveness of your sins. tell you when talking to Chris uh, the father here just a minute ago he he told me that 35 years ago he was baptized right made his confession and baptized here I just think that's wonderful um, uh, a great family of Christ here's our take-home verse Matthew 11 28 30 please read this with me come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Go in the peace of God.